Well, hi and welcome back to the Sensibility Podcast. Today we have an advisor, an advisor to the advisors, uh, Fraser Jack. Uh, we're going to be talking about goal-based advice. Now, as I said, Fraser does is an advisor, but he also coaches financial advisors as well. And um, his concept with the you know the goals-based advice is incredible. I heard him speak at a webinar recently and I had to get him on. So those who uh, know of me, I, I love, um, you know, encouraging people to set goals. I've written articles about that, but the way he articulates it is just out of this world. So I really wanted to get him on and get him to share his process. And, and also we're going to do it sort of, sort of three-pronged way because he has been the consumer He's been the advisor, but he's also coached advisors. He's going to give us a sort of concept in all three uh, aspects, if that makes sense. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, Fraser. Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, first of all, can you just explain what goals-based advice is, as, as opposed to just what we call financial planning or financial advice? Oh, goodness me, yes. Uh, well, that, that might be a little bit easy to explain what it isn't to start with. <laughs> it's probably um, – let me, let, me, let me go through uh, – let me go through the, from the beginning. Goals-based goals advice is not, not what people would imagine to be specialist financial advice, as in the fact that um, it's not just about one specific product. So we, we have some specialists around that might be investment specialists. We have uh, people who might specialise in self-managed super funds or might specialise in risk or insurance. And those specialties are really getting into the nitty-gritty of the product and the strategies and all those sorts of things. So if, if, I, if anything, I sort of think of goals-based advice as a little more of the GP-type style of financial advice that covers a lot of different broad things in somebody's or a human's life. And um, so it's not sort of the specialist thing. It's also not transactional. So it's not about going in and finding out something, getting one piece of information, advice on a strategy product, and then walking away. It's very much a relationship-based financial planning process. So it's all about the idea that um, you, know, you have a long-term relationship with this, this advisor and they almost become... Um, you know, uh, they spend a lot of time coaching. They spend some of their time helping you plan. They spend some of their time helping you uh, on the the actual advice piece, uh, and it can even get into a little bit of the sort of counselling, financial counselling mode. But I I would suggest that it shouldn't get into financial counselling. That's sort of where you really need a professional counsellor to come in. So it's sort of a, a broad range. If I think of it from a consumer's point of view, it's it's like having a long term deep relationship with an advisor who's really you're both you know the the advice for the professional, you know, the planning process, the professional advice around strategy and product, but also more of a, uh, a coaching role where they can actually help you get to the outcomes. So when I think of goals-based advice, I really think of it being outcome-based. So, um, you know, getting to a particular outcome. And I, I think of the analogy of, a, you know, a coach in a sporting scenario trying to win, you know, to the outcome of winning the end of the game or the grand final. It's not just about all the stuff that's happening, you know, on the field or, or off the field or whatever it might be. It's getting it to, you know, that we've got a goal to, to set to try and get to this outcome. We're going to do everything we can to get there. Perfectly put. Absolutely. Um, and that sort of brings me to the whole concept of, you know, you know, we had a really crazy year in terms of investing and volatility and whatnot. So it sort of removes that whole aiming for the figure, you know, because, if you're giving advice and saying we're going to get you here in this period of time, that's not going to be possible with a year like this year when, you know, the markets have dropped, our 
our balance has dropped and all that kind of thing. So we talked earlier and you raised the concept of it doesn't, it's not really, you know, um, based always on money, the monetary advice. It's more about the relationship with money. Can you talk more about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So the way that I figure it, I mean, financial advice in its nature is very much, uh, it's easy to fit into or fall into the, uh, the trap of we're here to give money advice or advice around, you know, a, this, this tangible thing we call money. Uh, these figures, we're great with spreadsheets. We all geek out over spreadsheets. Um, but, you know, this is the conversation that says these are, that, you know, um, in, no, they're very tangible. Numbers are very tangible. Right? You can go, okay, great. You know, there is a number. If we do this, we're going to have a bigger number. Uh, but they're not emotional, those numbers. And money is, in, generally speaking, when it's somebody's money, it's their personal money and it's, it's emotional. Uh, and yet we treat it like it's not emotional. We treat it like it's in, it has no emotion. It's just these, this, this tangible thing. So we really go back to the idea of saying, well, let's start thinking about the money and let's start thinking about the people, right? the people behind the money and saying, okay, great. So this is a person and they may or may not have had some money in the past and they may, not have, may or may not have worked really hard for that money or there might be some sort of story or relationship that that money represents to them, uh, not just to them but to their family and the people around them. Uh, they have an idea of what they want that money to represent for their future. Um, there is a whole lot of intangible emotions and feelings around confidence, stress, anxiety, uh, fear, um, and, and and those sort of intangible things need to be put into the mix of not just I'm going to take this dollar figure and invest it over here in this specific you know option, and the return on that option is going to be why. Um, it's not about that. It's about saying, how does this money relate to you? Um, what do you need to get out of this money to be fulfilled and satisfied and these intangible things? And then being able to create a plan around that that says, we're taking way more than just the money or the, you know, the, the emotional money into a consideration. We're taking the emotions, we're taking the, the goals, the dreams, hopes, aspirations of the person whose money it is in the first place. And we're helping them design a plan that's going to get them from to where they want to be start with that's the financial planning part and then help them and coach them through the emotions around that plan and help them stay on the right track a bit like a um you know a pilot flying a plane i sort of i love the analogy too you know um when it comes to when it comes to going somewhere from one destination to, the, to another not that we can fly much at the moment but, uh you know taking off is optional landing is compulsory um, when it comes to flying and the rest of the time pilot spends, you know, most of the time just correcting the course. Uh, 98% of a flight is meant off course, you know, because of side winds and crosswinds and height, things like that. And so the plane moves around and then the, the pilot's job is to maintain the, the course of action. So that's, that's the way that, um, you know, that works. And it's also should be the way that goals based advice relationship works with the client is that the correction of that plan, the plan will, you know, you can put a plan on paper, but it's going to be 98% of the time, of course. And it's about 100%. correcting and moving, moving that because landing is compulsory. And so it's saying, no, we're going to get you to the landing zone uh, at the right time or near, near to it as we can. You know, it might be late, it might be early, um, and we're going to land you safely at the other end. That's a great analogy, and it's so true, the off-course thing. Um, you know, my experience as an advisor and your experience as an advisor, no doubt, is that you'll do um, a pl plan for a client and you understand their goals and objectives and you're really excited to present to them. And then 
the review time comes up and they've turned around and gone, you know what, we're going to sell the house, we're going to do this. And it's completely different to what the initial plan was. And it's there about going, okay, what we've got to work on is not really the, the assets as such. It's, it's their experience along the way, knowing that they now have the freedom and they're feeling on course in some respects with their money to get to the destination that they now decide is not going to be there but there. And I think that's really the difference with goal-based advice is that, you know, the journey does evolve and change, but the job actually, the satisfying part is actually the, I guess, the increase of confidence you see in the clients. You know, you talked about that with um, Em when I heard you on the webinar is that it's met, you know, goal-based advice can be measured so differently as opposed to just measuring it um, on that monetary value. It's like where we've gone from here to there and often it's more about the emotional relationship with your money. 100% it's more about their emotional relationship and, and you know, it's very easy to write a financial plan when you're just taking into consideration the, 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 the financial aspects of the plan. It's very easy to say if you do this, then you will get what, you know, those sorts of things. It's very simple to say that, but if you're not understanding, and this is where goals-based advice really kicks in because uh, there's a bit more to it than just saying, you know, what are your financial goals? Let's let's put them on paper and, and move forward. It's about understanding the, 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 the human behind those goals and the, their, their personal values and what sort of things they value. What are the things that they want? You know, is, is it their is it their goal or is it somebody else's goal that they've been told that they think that they should have? And really understanding is it something that, like somebody might value, um, you know, not being uh, not being locked down, value the ability to travel and move around and be in transit, and then they want to buy a house. And you think, well, that doesn't make sense for what you value. You know, you might you might not want to buy a house. You might want to have this ability to. So and so that's where we find um, people tend to change their goals a lot is because they may have set a goal that's not actually congruent with their own beliefs and values. And so to be able to work with your clients on that, uh, and obviously with couples, that, that that's another thing that comes up a lot because sometimes couples have different uh, values, and they you know sure they might love each other and the opposites attract and all these sorts of things, but those values might mean that their goals are very different. Or the things that they might want to set are very different, and so it's that. And then negotiating, we'll have some of this and some of that together makes you know a partnership um, around the idea of saying what are these goals going to be that we're going to work toward. Because if because it's very easy to set goals that are incongruent with the client, uh, because they they sound like they should be good financial goals, uh, and this is where often advisors come in and say, well, most people do this. They always have that and so therefore we think you should all have that and uh yeah so there's a lot involved in in the initial very first part of understanding the client's beliefs their behaviors those you know things they've done in the past what have caused them to be uh who they are and to be where they are at the moment um, but before getting financial advice so there's a lot of information that sort of to go through well before working out what the plan's going to be so um, you know, the, the advice piece, as we like to call it, the advice piece in, in, in the financial advice process. And that just comes to that where I said, I'm going to lift the lid on the coach that you are to advisors. If you don't mind just giving some um, tips or how we as advisors can establish um, that information, get that information, draw that information out of a client that, you know, they come to you going, right, the right thing to say is, or they don't even think that's the right thing. They've, they've been at a barbecue, they've their mates are buying investment properties and that seems to be the, the way to get financially on board or, you know, on track to making it or to retire early, whatever the case may be. 
you're sitting there and you really start sensing that's not that's not true goal for them based on other you know positive you know other signs other maybe language body language can you just lift the lid on how you get that information out and how you teach advisors that as well yeah this is this is certainly where the you know um behavioral coaching comes into the into the phrase so um, the very first thing, um, you're putting yourself in the client's shoes to say, uh, what's the very first, what's, the, what's the pressing need that has forced them to take this step or a leap of faith towards coming into a financial advice office? Often people don't just wake up one morning and go, Oh, I might just go to a financial advisor today. That's like a fantastic idea. Let's go and do it. They go, Oh, yeah, I should, I should get some support. Yeah, I should ask. I should reach out. Yeah, yeah. But they don't do it just yet. Then something happens. That often causes them to that um, that that motivation to go. I actually need to go now, and that could be you know I'm just purchased a house, or I'm doing this, or something's happened, or there's you know um, you know somebody just got married, or somebody just got did something. There's often a milestone in somebody's life where they go, okay, I'm going to go now, and they take that leap of faith and that, around you know going in and seeing you know maybe interviewing a couple of advisors or understanding. One is they're not really sure what all this process is going to be and to how much it's going to cost and is it going to cost me more than I'm, am I, have I got enough money to go? And there's a lot of questions that go through a, a client's head. But once they come in, it's, I think for the financial advisor, really just needs to triage what is, what is the, what is, what was the burning cause of the need right now? Uh, and then to go through the concept of this is how we best serve, best help people. Um, we go through this, it's, you know, it's a long-term relationship, et cetera, et cetera. We get, get to the bottom of this. Then when you, once you start getting into that financial, you know, quest, the, sorry, the questions around their, um, their hopes, dreams, goals, aspirations, uh, understanding somebody's beliefs and values is the first step uh, and really getting to the bottom. Understanding their past behaviors is another thing because, you know, it's very easy to people say, how much money do you earn? How much money do you spend? Is it more or less than what you earn? And then understanding what, whether there's any behaviors in there, understanding what money was like with them they were growing up, understanding, uh, you know, why they think of money in a certain way, why they believe certain things. And let's face it, nobody really knew about money when we were kids. There was just, there were, then there was a thing called money and then we, then we understood it and then we reflected on how our parents, uh, you know, brought us up with regards to what their beliefs around money were. And we take on these beliefs as our own, but they really, they were our parents' beliefs. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of conscious stuff going on in there. Absolutely. And so, <laughs> and so then there could be a scenario of, you know, why do you believe that? It, does everyone believe that? If that was true, wouldn't everyone be in that position? Some people aren't, so they don't believe it. You know, does everyone have to believe it? Do you want to believe it? What do you want to believe? You know, so there's a, there is a bit of a process that you can go through with a lot of the work like you're doing with coaching uh, people. Then there's the scenario of uh, understanding what their goals are. And it's very easy to say, you know, goal, your goal is to do this. And, um, you know, if we look at a lot of advice documents, the statement of advice that advisors, financial advisors give to their clients, a lot of them say things like, you know, client had a goal to consolidate their superannuation funds into one. And I'm, I'm thinking that's not a goal. That's a financial strategy. Uh, their goal is they want to retire one day and they want to do X, Y, Z when they retire. And part of getting them to that thing is the advisor introduces a financial strategy to help them get more money in their superannuation or whatever it might be. Um, but then the, the next question is, why do you want that? And, and when it comes to understanding whether a goal is for somebody or somebody else is to ask them why. 
ask the client, why is that? Why do you need that? And if the answer is about other people, or it might be about themselves, see, I, I, you know, there's this thing about finding your why and all that. And to be, to be honest, a why is a really selfish thing. So if somebody says, because I want this, and I want to do these things because I believe in this, then that is a why. Where if somebody says, oh, because I think we should do that before the thing and the, and the kids and the blah, 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 it's like, that's not the why. That's, that's for them. Mm -hmm. It's not your why. Like what's motivating you to want to be that person? And that could be because I really want to be known as a good parent and I, I want my kids to, you know, love me and I want other people to see me as a good parent. Great. That's a selfish why you might do something. So you're getting to that real underlying motivation behind because those are the things that are going to keep the client on track, right? So if you can get to that selfish why level, then you can say to the client, remember that thing you wanted? Remember we were doing this? Remember we weren't spending money on that because we were going to do this thing because you wanted to feel good about being a good parent. You wanted other people to see you as a good parent. Remember that? Right. That's why we're doing this. And then they can go, yeah, get back on track. And it provides that underlying motivation to say, I'm going to ignore all my limiting beliefs and things I've learned in the past. And I'm going to determinately do these things for this thing because it selfishly gives me pleasure or enjoyment or joy or love or satisfaction or whatever it might be by doing those things to get to those outcomes because I understand and the advisor can help understand what their why is. To study and the CPD training and now we're doing even more training um, to also lift our professionalism even higher and most of us now I know many have gone you're doing their masters you've done you, you did yours a couple of years ago I recall um no wasn't it no, no, I, haven't, I haven't done my financial planning masters no. oh okay there was something I saw that you, you did anyway it doesn't matter we, yep. we never learn this and this is I believe and this is why I started doing the money coaching the, the which is the the past behaviors which sort of shed light on why we do certain things this is actually the the key part in my belief and this is why I wanted you to come on this podcast is if we get this right and this is for anybody if they want to do their own financial planning or if they want to get an advisor to give them the guidance and coach them get this part right then it's going to be so easy for you to get to A to B and B to C and so on and so on um, so you know sometimes we've got to unlearn some of the stuff we learn to actually get that information on, on, you know, out there. Do you? How long does it take for you to get that process happening? Um, to that really nitty gritty conversation to find out and discover exactly what the why is, and to establish what their true goals are. Yeah, it can take can take a little uh, while to get the generally to get the first couple, but then once you once you're into a process and you go, oh, you know, I, I get I get from I get going through these serious questions or harder questions that make me think internally gets me to this outcome. Then after the first couple, it's like, yes, no, that's, it's the same reason. It's the same why, you know, it's the same motivation. So, so it's, it's one of those things that, you know, like, you know, you, you're the first, you know, you're in first gear and it takes a while to get momentum up. And then, you know, by the time you, you've got to the second or third gear, you're moving quite quickly. Um, so I think, you know, there's, it's it's not about the it's not about how you know you might have ten different goals right um, but the, the the first three take a bit of time and the next ones are very quick uh, but I also like the fact that you know when it comes to goals based financial advice is 
there are some things that require strategies, financial complex financial strategies to be introduced. There are some things that require, you know, financial products, uh, financial based products to be introduced. Uh, and that's all part of financial advice, you know, role um, to, 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 as a professional, to, to look at those and to, to consider those and the options and work out which are the best one for the client or the most appropriate for the client. So th there's that part of it. But that part of it is actually quite a small part of the, the, the overall process. Like getting to know and understand the client in the first place is a big part of the process. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a very weird one when it comes to how financial advisors charge and have charged in, and for many, many years based on the product and based on the advice that they're giving. Um, and it's, it's, um, we have a legislation here called fee for, fee for service and it talks about the idea of how you're charging part of parts of the legislation around fee for service, uh, how you're charging fee for service, which is financial advisors have found really difficult because, you know, a, you can get service um, at a fast food restaurant for under 10 bucks. You know, it's sort of like this, how much do you pay for service? And then that became the idea of fee for advice and fee for, you know, financial planning, which then became more tangible and easy to charge. Uh, that we still got this hangover of these product-based, um, you know, if, you know, whatever your product is. And I've got a lot of sort of beliefs around that. And it, it, to me, it shouldn't really, all that stuff should be, if we just start, cleared that out and started again, we should be charging fees for the value we're providing. And I don't believe you can work out what the value is based on the amount of money they have. I think you can work out what the value is based on taking them, uh, what the clients actually value, right? So if I value freedom and, you know, um, laughter and enjoyment and, and if I can get all those things, that's what I should be paying my advisor for, right? Not, uh, not to manage my money per se, that's part of their job, don't get me wrong, but that's not the main part of their job. They're managing my outcomes of being whatever I need to be is, is, the, is, is the actual job. So it's kind of, it's a little bit strange for a lot of advisors. And I, I, I want to go back a step because the financial advice profession was born out of um, many years of product distribution. And, you know, big companies had products that might have been a life insurance product or a superannuation product or whatever it was, right? It was a product. And then the, the, the client basically or the consumer had to um, get to know, understand these particular products and that they, they were complex. So financial advisors became, you know, the, the people who helped explain those products and understand, you know, the client. And, you know, the financial advisor would represent the client based, but, but still was very much about bringing products in and if you look at a lot of financial advice websites these days of financial planners and financial advisors you'll see a lot of them say on their websites that we provide advice around insurance and advice around superannuation and all these products that are still in there um, and a lot of advisors will will measure their practice and their worth like their investment advisors which is not what are we talking about? If you're an investment advisor and you just deal in specialized investment, that's one thing, but you're not a goals-based advice advisor. And if you are a goals-based advisor, you shouldn't be saying, oh, you know, we measure our, you know, how much of funds under management or all those sorts of things that we, we look at. If you do, if you're a fund manager, you do that. Um, if you're investing, if you're the one that's actually choosing the investments and doing all that, then that's your job. But as a financial advisor doing goals-based advice, that's not your job. Your job is to essentially manage the outcomes of the client's goals, not manage the money that they walked in the door with. Um, you know, you, you're there to invest it, but that, you know, 
the fund manager's job is to manage the money, as in managers and buy, sell, and trade. Your job is to manage the the, the client's expectations and the the their behaviours and the things that are going to influence them hitting their goals. It's like um, I think you, I mean, you articulated it lovely in the, that webinar that I listened to, um, using the medical profession um, and and the medicine are the products. So, for example, you come to the advisor, it's like going to the doctor, it's going to the professional and saying, well, this is, these are the issues I've got. I'm, I need to, you know, I've, I've got this amount, I need to retire with this amount. So, with a bit of a gap. I am concerned because of the, and we, obviously we're dealing with a few things here where they might be concerned that they've not got um, enough insurance um, they might have not enough superannuation, um, but there are other things because you've really brought out the why. Well, the why is I want to know that I can have, I've got freedom, and I, I can just be a, my family are going to be okay, and I can get up, and we can just go overseas whenever or whatever the goal is. So you then, as advisor, can prescribe in part of that as a strategy the product, but that isn't actually. This, the whole picture. The whole picture is the feeling, the emotions, knowing that you can sleep well at night without anxiety. If I don't have enough because you know you're going to get there. So I love how you, you know you, you've you had said that in the past. I wanted to bring that again to to light. How you that product is actually not how you measure goals advice at all. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh- the, the doctor analogy is around the, the the concept of somebody goes to the doctor because they want to feel better or get better or be healthy or whatever it might be, and uh, and the same thing with financial advice, you know, and it's a very similar professional process, right? You know, you come in and they ask a lot of questions about your your past and what you're doing and, and how you're experiencing your symptoms and those sorts of things. Now, a doctor doesn't you know work out uh, you know doesn't have this financial metric that financial advisors have, so they they use other metrics like you know on a scale of one to ten, how much pain are you in? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Uh, and then they can measure that post the treatment to see how much pain you're in, and then they can work out whether you now are in a better position, or when now if you're feeling better, or less sorts of things. So there's no reason that that doctors can do it. But the doctor, the the the, the chief process is you go in, you, you provide a lot of information. You might do some tests, some blood tests, other tests. You know, keep getting information until the doctor has enough information to be able to to be able to diagnose what their condition is, and uh, and that. That's very similar to the planning process, the understanding and setting your goals and diagnosing that's what we want to do and what we want to be. The doctor then goes and creates a treatment plan, which is a bit like a financial advisor doing some planning around what strategies you might look and introduce. Um, once the, now, that treatment plan, by the way, may or may not involve any medication. It could involve diet and exercise. It could, you know, like, like the medication comes at the very end. Um, as, and it's part of the treatment plan. It, it's not the treatment plan. It's part of the treatment plan. Um, so the treatment plan then is is worked out. So the, the diagnosis, the treatment plan, and then there's you know a prescription for medication if needed. Now, and that's very much the same around the advice, the financial product advice that advisors provide. So the strategy, the planning, then the product advice, and that's very so. So the two professional processes. Are very similar in a lot of ways, um, and so when you know the, one of the things that we say in the medical, or they say in the medical profession is um, prescription before diagnosis is malpractice, right? And so the same with financial advice. You can't just jump to the prescription. You've got to work out why it is. Now, now 
you know, if you wanted to go and buy some headache tablets or something, you might go to the chemist and get that, purchase it from the chemist. And very similar, there's financial products available under, you know, general advice processes and other things in Australia that you can go and purchase. You know, you can go and buy something up without getting financial advice. But generally speaking, that's up to you then to try and find out why all the, all the pros and cons and, and whether that actually fits with your circumstances. So that's that's part of the role of, a, of a, an advisor, that, you know, planning and advice piece. But you really, I don't know how you can do it properly or justice if you're not doing all that front-end piece around understanding their hopes, dreams, goals, aspirations, and wondering why, how this is going to fit with their long-term. Because if you just, you know, creating that transactional short-term Band-Aid solution, uh, then it may or may be the wrong Band-Aid. 100%. So it comes always back to that whole process of really getting that information of what their their true why is and what their values are and whatnot. So then you can, as you sort of pointed out, measure, you know, how much pain are you feeling if you go to the doctor, say you've broken your arm and he's got the treatment or whoever's got the treatment um, process in place like we do. When they come back to us as advice, you know, to the advisor, it's more about, okay, now how are you feeling about your finances now? That's the me- you know the measuring as opposed to let's look at the balance. There's a point I was trying to go to before, and I, it may have been lost there, when I said we had a really volatile year. Measuring the fight, the the balance of your, your investment would be a terrible way of measuring that goal. It's more about actually, you know what? I've had a sit down with my advisor. I understand that yeah, we're going through a really volatile time, but I'm still on track. I feel good about where we're going, I understand that there is a great strategy in place, but more to it, I really know where I'm, you know, I'm going and I'm feeling comfortable or I, um, the long-term picture start is now looking clearer for me or actually now I have a better handle on my cash flow because I actually understand who I am about it because that's the other thing, you know, one of the things that I work with, the cash flow stuff can really make, you know, turn the sales to the plan as, as part of it as well, which isn't product. It's, again, behavior. It's again the goal. Absolutely. So there's a couple of really great points you made there. One is that we, you know financial advisors have this part of the legislation that they must demonstrate clear and measurable objectives. That's all written into the into the, the legislation. Um, now, very quickly, financial planners jump to the the meaning that clear and measurable means money, measuring money, right? So you know how much how many fees were charged on that versus returns, how much was you know et cetera, et cetera. Am I in a better position based on financially? And it's it's a really narrow way of understanding it because, as you mentioned, you know, being being worried and upset and anxious and stressed and not sure versus being knowing, you know, confident, you know, no stress, all those sort of things can be a tangible uh, and objective benefit from being. And same as the doctor. Conversation. So I think um, I think that's a really important consideration that a lot of financial advisors should be then using those clear and measurable. Um, you were here emotionally. Now you're here emotionally, um, and there is a um, you know a, a great benefit. So I think um, I think that's probably the first um, point on that. What was the next part of the question you mentioned? Um, well, when I talked to was it in regards to. Evol- you know, a crazy year like we've had, measuring that versus the emotional state then. Also, because, I mean, there's so much that we could talk about and I'll probably get you back on because this this is quite a new concept to our industry. Um, it's something that made a lot of sense to me some time ago 
um, and I, you know, where I'd get frustrated. You write this amazing financial plan, you meet with clients that they're nowhere near where we expect them to be. They're still back at the beginning, back at you know the starting point because they're a bit like deer in the headlights because no one has had these conversations about how they're feeling or what their true values are and whatnot. So there is a lot. There is this is still quite a new concept in what we do. So I'm sure that there are a lot of people who have walked away from financial advice scratching their heads saying, and I've had those kind of clients come back to me and hand me a massive document like thick like this and go, there's the SOA, nothing's really being done or besides I've got new super, I've got different insurance policies. They say we're going to have this amount of money when we retire but I'm a bit, I'm a bit lost still. This yeah. is why I love this, this you know, concept of goals-based advice. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's definitely way more engaging, and uh, I did think of the other thing too, by the way. Um, but uh, it really it really comes back down to the concept of motivation, right? And and that there is a thing that you know the plan. Oh, this plan it didn't work for me. Well, it probably didn't work, or you didn't work with you didn't work with it. You know, like it's, it's a, that's a two way street conversation. And what I wanted to mention before was all of, was was about the idea of um, cash flow. Uh, you know the, the and, and that's the one, the biggest thing that the client can control, right? They can control what they earn and they can control what they spend. And, you know, you can you might say, oh, I can't control what I earn, but technically you can, you know, like you. you if you've you, got the right motivation. Yes, correct. And so, and so if you're not motivated as part of your plan, then you're not going to stick to it, right? It's just like, it's not, it's not, I don't feel the, the love and that plan or the motivation or anything that's going to motivate me to, to stick to the plan. So I can control what I earn. And if I don't earn enough, I can go get a spare, you know, I can go drive Uber or something to, to top it up um, and I can control what I spend. And those are the two things that the client can control the most. And, and um, you know, the advisor can help them stay motivated in that space and they can, can, they can, you know, do all the things advisors do when it comes to strategy and product as well to help out. But keeping the client motivated in those two things is really, really super important. And, um, you know, having that, the, 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 the regular conversations and updates and that, that's why I said it's got to be such an ongoing relationship piece because the advisor can say, based on your current behavior over the last three months, this is what's happened to the plan. This is what's changing. This is where we need to keep back, back on track, you know, that whole flight conversation. And then, you know, uh, helping the client get their head around and making a positive financial decisions, not just emotional financial decisions. Um, you know, that that's that's where it's all about. And, you know, we can make, um, I'm a big fan of the idea that we can make financial decisions emotionally and some financial decisions we make because they make sense on paper. And generally, you know, the ones that are, are made because they make sense on paper, over the long run, they turn out to be better financial decisions than the ones we made emotionally. But still, 90% of the decisions we make are emotional. You know, do I want um, that extra um, thing in the supermarket trolley? Do I, that I don't really need, but I'm going to eat it anyway? Do I want that extra pair of shoes that I don't really need, but they look good on me, so they make me feel good, so I'm going to grab them? You know, what, what are those um, decisions? And then at that moment of emotional um, you know, decision-making, are we able to then go back and say, ah, oh, but then then I'm not going to be able to have that other thing I discussed with the planner and I'm going to have to explain why I bought these extra things. And so let me just stick to the plan. Right. So it gives it's it's about that motivation to stick to the plan um, and control 
take control and be in charge of and be confident with the things that you can control, which is cash flow, um, and understand why you're doing things because you've got certainty, you've got clarity, you've got understanding, all these things that come out of these intangible things that come out of seeing a financial advisor um, that, that no one really talks about. Yeah, and it is a movement that I'm seeing more advisors, especially um, up-and-coming advisors, now looking at it as the way forward. And there's all these other things like the money coaching concept. But just use changing our language and using the words goals um, as in part of the goals-based advice as opposed to um, financial planning or financial advice um, is also really important. Now, I'm going to bring back to what you do because you're – as I mentioned earlier, you're a financial advisor. Um, you've also been the consumer. So, so I, I'm not a financial advisor at the, at the at moment. At the moment, but you have been. I was, I was a financial advisor, yes. But just want to make clear that I'm not uh, a licensed follow, uh, uh, financial advisor at the moment. Quick disclaimer there. Yes, you. Uh, yes. But you have been. But you've also um, been in the financial advice industry for quite a long time. Um, well, I can't. We've known each. We've known yeah, each other. Years, yeah. A long. We've we've known each other for many years as well. Um, so I've seen you around the traps, and you do coaching for financial advice, and you're now working on um, a few different courses. So some courses for the consumer, some courses, for, and other courses for the advisor to help them improve these what we call in the industry soft skills which I think actually the hardest skills if you don't get it right <laughs> it can ruin the whole plan yes absolutely and I think uh, I think a big part as I mentioned before emotional decisions versus you know the, the logical stuff the um, the the strategies understanding the technical pieces of the advice you know that's like 20 percent in my opinion of you know what makes up a good financial advisor uh, you have to have them. It's essential. It's the grounding. Without you know good financial strategy, you're not a financial advisor. Um, but the 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 emotional side of being able to communicate, to be able to maintain a relationship, to be able to get understand what really makes somebody tick is the stuff that comes generally over time with financial planners. You know, it's very difficult to have that when you first start out. Um, to be able to ask those difficult questions and get into the nitty gritty and and not just accept um, you know somebody says something and just accept that as as Possible when you think when you might think there is an underlying different issue there that you haven't got to the bottom of yet. So, it, yeah, absolutely. And 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 you mentioned that um, you know I do some coaching with financial advisors, but I also um, do some financial literacy. Well, you know, I hate the word financial literacy, but it's about I think it's confidence. Um, and that I've I've got this opinion that um, you know, a lot of financial advice is for people who already have quite a bit of money and can afford it. Let's just say that, right? Um, it's for that. Um, and in, in any particular market, whether it's, you know, there's a prestige end, it's whether it's first-class tickets on an airline or whether it's, um, you know, Parada handbags or expensive restaurants, there is generally a, an, an elite or expensive end of any particular market or industry. And I think that financial advice for financial planners, because of the cost to provide it, is very much in that prestige end of the general marketplace when it comes to every single, you know, mum, dad, Australian, people walking the streets um, that probably need some sort of financial uh, education but you know, don't necessarily get financial advice yet. So I think sort of 10% of any particular market is a prestige and there's, there's easily 10% of people in, you know, in Australia getting financial advice that are in that, in that zone. Um, I also think that um, 
uh, when it comes to providing information for the rest of the people that don't get financial advice, there's a few things out there. Obviously, there's, there's books you can pick up and read, or whatever it might be, um, some you know blog sites, etc. Uh, but I'm really focused on saying, well, okay, well, I'm I'm going to try and focus on the, net, the Netflix generation, those people who want um, to consume content slightly differently, that want to consume content um, watching Netflix instead of buying newspapers. And say, how do I how do I provide something for those people in the way of like a Netflix style video um, for just general confidence, talking about money and mindsets and understanding, you know, things that might work or go wrong in that whole process of just getting people confident so that they can have financial conversations with you know financial advisors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking, you, you what is it? Preaching to the choir there. That just was music to my ears because that's. Um, sort of the direction I've taken, as I mentioned to you earlier, and why I'm doing my podcast is I really want to make money normal. I really want to see people being confident with money. Money causes huge amounts of stress and anxiety and relationship problems and uh, even mental health issues. Um, it breaks breaks relationships, it makes relationships. It does so many things. It's energetic in so many ways. Um but if we just shed the light on it and start being more confident about it, and I think the way you know you've addressed the concept of goals-based advice is um, a great place for people to start having that conversation with money. Is like, well, what is it that I really want out of my money? And then to get to that maybe point of confidence to go, I'm prepared to speak to someone who can really create a strategy, understand my needs to make it actually happen is one thing but there are baby steps to that even as you just as you know we are in Netflix generation um, instant gratification people leave off their phones they, they want information at snippets um, the only time I'm sort of getting myself into learning something is if I've got my earpods in and I'm walking my baby um, or I'm driving my car that's it because I'm so my time is so limited so we've you know what you're doing is fantastic in creating this uh, platform of information for people to be able to you know, get these bite-sized information to get confidence. And then eventually if they do need to come and see someone um, like myself or another, other advisors, and there are many out there that are what really are wanting to work like this. This is the way forward, which is also why you're doing this work with advisors as well. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. I mean, um, you know, the, the Netflix generation, I think, I think people people um, are, are have that emotion around their money, and and, and this idea of it being a taboo subject um, is just crazy because you know this this is a flow of, from the whole class system, right? Those the upper class, the middle class, the low class, right? And and using money as a way of treating people differently and pushing them into to, to a different class, which is was absolutely crazy when we you know we're going through things like the um, black lives matter movement and all these sort of things we need to get rid of the 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 you know how much money you have matters measurement because you know people some people are completely completely happy joyful satisfied proud um you know a whole lot of uh, great emotions based on how much money they have but other aspects and they could have no money but they're still really happy Right, and or you could have a lot of money and be unhappy. So there is no that that metric of the more money you have, the happier you are, is crazy. And so the conversation around, well, how much do you need to do all the things that will satisfy you and please you and make you happy, and then that becomes your benchmark, right? Not benchmarking against other people 
not benchmarking against the most money, but benchmarking against your emotional aspects. Of, are you happy with that amount of money? That's that, that's that's where you should be going to. Um, and I think a lot of the time in financial advice, we've come, we've been the financial advisors that were coming through, all very competitive in nature most of the time, are helping their clients or competing with the idea that we want to try and get you to as high as possible, uh, not not taking into the fact that, well, maybe you'd just be happy with half that amount. Well, I often ask, you know, what when, when we're talking about, you know, they want to financial security, what does that feel? What does it look like? It's more about an emotion than an, a number. And then we talk about, well, if, you know, usually it comes down to I'm happy with what I'm earning just as long as it continues. So, okay, then that we've got something, a little bit, something that I can actually then put into a strategy to go, okay, you're comfortable with this amount. You're concerned if that amount stops, that, that tap stops dripping. So let's create an everflow of this amount that you can t continuously fill your cup with. Um, then it's easy for me to really come back to here's a plan for that, but it's more about what makes you feel comfortable. Um, and I hope that anyone who's listening, whether you have an advisor, you're considering seeing an advisor or you are an advisor, that these conversations are brought to light, that you actually think about really what is it that pleases me, the big why, and it's okay to be selfish with, as you pointed out. It's a selfish thing, but it's going to be the internal motivator for you, right? If you don't have that, the plan's not going to work. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. And and a lot of advisors that I talk to in this space have, um, you know, are setting up, understand their own sort of values, what makes them happy in a business. Um, like yourself, you know, you, you're you really happy when you're helping uh, another person get or do something, um, especially, you know, if, if they're in, in need uh, and then you can put the time and you can help them. That's something that brings you personally joy. So therefore, that's the sort of, that's why your business has moved into this more of this model than, you know, um, uh, you know, doing investment and getting, you know, outperforming a benchmark by X percent. And, you know, that's because that was just sort of, you know, that's a non-emotional number. So that's so, why you know, I got my husband in the business because that's yeah. his job. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's sort of, you know, and, and then understanding if that's what you want to do in a business, those are the, that's and, and helping those clients in that way is what's pleasing, which is pleasing you, which is your selfish why your business is this way it is. Um, and and the same, you know, when people you know get those feelings of, and it doesn't have to just be, you know, happy, you know, feelings of um, pride, you know, being really proud of what you've achieved, um, feelings of, you know, um, happiness and, and and joy, and all these sort of things that come into, um, you know, when it comes to setting goals as to well, if I've achieved that, then it shouldn't matter what other people have or what, you know, whether I outperformed a benchmark or you know my returns were better than normal or whatever, none of that really matters. What matters is that you, you're happy and comfortable and you feel good about yourself. 100%. Um, there's so much more we could talk about, but I'll, I will have to wrap this up um, because we're just going to keep going. But I want to know, uh, have you guys, have you got a time frame of when you're going to be rolling out um, this, the content that you're providing um, non-advisors, so the consumer. I know the other advisor you're working with, Erin, who's um, mentioned that she's doing this project with you some time ago. So um, have you guys got a, a launch date or are you are you making traction? Are we got something to expect soon? Yeah, yeah. So it's very softly uh, softly out there at the moment. Can I, can I talk about it or is it uh, – are we yes. – yeah. 
be good to talk about. Um, very good. Uh, so I've, I've got a, a website called nerdherd.money, N-E-R-D-H-E-R-D.money, uh, which is really around the financial literacy, financial confidence. Um, and, and on there is actually a, a course I've written called the uh, 12 Steps to Financial Confidence. Uh, the uh, 12 Steps steps concept is nothing new. You can be able to see them around another anonymous uh, organizations, but uh, but certainly we've got a 12 steps to financial confidence course, which is free to download um, and, and go through the process. Uh, and yeah, at Money, we have um, a, a, a video blog, a podcast, and we also have a paid membership which people can join and become part of a community of, of other fellow nerds and uh, and be involved in and in, you know get all the courses that we we have um, as part of that membership. So. Yeah, I'm a big believer, you know, you can't get enough information. So, and, and there's no competition between us as advisors because I think the message needs to be clear. And sometimes people really resonate really well with, you know, they may go on your site and think this is fantastic and jump on my course and go, not my gig. And that's absolutely fine. Just get that information and run with it and, and have a better relationship with your money. And that's sort of the end of the day, the, the goal, right? It's going to really improve things. Absolutely. I think that any information you can get and pick up and gather over time is better than not getting information. And um, and as I said, we're not. This is not a site where you go to um, to get financial advice. This is a, a site where you go just to get um, confidence and information. Um, and so you can, then you can go off and uh, have conversations with advisors um, from a, from a place of you know a bit more confidence, a bit more understanding, um, a bit more empowerment, if you like. Brilliant. Well, we'll put this in the um, show notes anyway. Um, and then if if anyone wants to reach out to me to get in touch with Fraser, um, please do. Another call to action um, is that you, if you like what you hear, please share um, and also rate this um, Sensibility podcast because it's just still at grassroots and I'm just just getting things happening now. So I hope to see more and more people um, jumping on board and having a listen to this. Thank you so much, Fraser, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Loved what we talked about, and I would love to get you, maybe even Erin, on in the future. Fantastic. Thank you for having us. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.